Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, counselor at Beachwood High School, and I'm here with Joel Ford, counselor at Connor High School. Our producer, Mike Piergowski, visited college once for four years. He said he liked it. Now he's a teacher and a podcast producer. Good job, Mike. Attaboy. We have some exciting things planned for this episode, including a discussion about college visits as well as our interview segments. Should be a great podcast this episode. Guaranteed. Joel, you know I don't read the news or watch it, so what news is out there in the world of college admissions? Well, let's play another round of Cano or Go. All right. I'm going to read a headline. You tell me whether you want to know more about it or go on because there's nothing new to discuss. But I think we're going to have some Cano's this week. So here's a few, here are a few articles that recently have caught my attention. Uh, article number one, Bluefield State College announces blue and gold opportunity plan. Yeah, Cano, I, I don't know what that means at all. I know. That headline means I, I, knew, I knew that was going to get you. Yeah. So eligible West Virginia students could receive free tuition at Bluefield State College this fall um, if they're going into like highly skilled um, technical fields, um, including engineering, computer science, nursing, business, education, criminal justice. Uh, they have to maintain a 2.0 grade point average, and college officials said that more than 70% of Bluefield State's students could be eligible. That's amazing. Uh, makes me think about our great liberal arts debate, since they're wanting them to be in technical fields. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I guess my, my biggest fears for things like that are, are just, you know, what are the supports that surround that, and, and how do you get students to one buy in mm -hmm. because if you're getting something for free sometimes you know there's there's not a whole lot in it for you so how do you how do you support students so they they stay how do they stay invested in the program and how do you help them finish right. because that would be that'd be the goal well and also what i think is is cool because we had a news article in a past episode about um the the price and loan rates for hbcus right bluefield state is a public HBCU in I did West not, Virginia. I did not know that. Yeah, so right. um, just providing some opportunity there for students. That's fantastic. Yep. Article number two, graduating in four years or less helps keep college costs down. Wait for it. But just 41% of students do. I mean, Cano, because this is for the listeners. <laughs> You're taking one for the I'm team. I'm taking one for the team. Right. I, I don't, yeah. Uh, so the article talks about many factors contributing uh, to growing student debt. One that's mentioned less frequently than others is the time it takes to complete a degree. Um, and uh, this blew me away. So in 1989, it cost about 17000 a year to attend a private four-year college, $3,360 a year to attend a public four-year college. Wow. According to the College Board today, those prices are closer to thirty-five thousand eight hundred and ten thousand two hundred and thirty for private and public. Um, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, just forty-one percent of full-time, first-time, full-time college students earn a bachelor's degree in four years, and only fifty-nine percent earn a bachelor's degree in six years. Obviously, then the, the idea is it's driving up college costs. Yeah, it's driving up college costs and debt because right. people aren't finishing. Right. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, talk about a vicious cycle. Um, we all need to do a better job. We need to do a better job on our end in high schools, on preparing students to be successful in college, helping them uh, find their path right. to get to the right place. That's why you and I are, are harping on, on two-year schools a lot of times. And colleges need to do a better job of, of keeping their students and providing support so that they are successful when they're there. Right. Article 3, uh, school shooting survivors discuss their experiences in college admissions essays. Oh, definitely, Cano. I know that uh, my, my good friend Ethan Sawyer was invited, I don't know if it's in your article, he was invited to do one of his essay workshops at uh, Stoneman Douglas, mm -hmm. right? Stoneman Douglas, right. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas right. High School. Um, and he was super nervous about how to 
when do you bring up the topic right. as you're doing your workshop with those kids? Yeah, please, please. So, so this article was in the New York Times. Um, so, t- you know, it starts off, to make their college admission essay stand out, high school students have always written about their biggest personal hardships. For those who have survived mass shootings, ducking under desks, and witnessing unspeakable horror, the big question is whether to recount the bloodshed to get into college. Um, the article starts by talking about um, Parkland and and uh, that tragedy. What then um, it went to, they actually cited an example of a student at Northern Kentucky University, which is near us, yeah. um, who was um, at school in Marshall County in Western Kentucky okay. um, when when that shooting happened in January 2018. Yep. Um, and what, what, there's a line in here that just really got me. Um, I was supposed to be a thousand, she was in a creative writing class. Okay. Uh, it was where she was writing this. And she said, I was supposed to be at a thousand words, but I went over. I kept writing. I just had to get all this out. Um, she said she wanted to help other people understand the initial waves of shock and heartbreak, but also the lesser discussed echoes of trauma. How she failed Algebra 3 for the first time. The frustration of getting nowhere, for, nowhere with calls for tougher gun laws. How people just stopped talking about what happened and so on and so forth. Um, and it was just a, a really um, thought-provoking article. Wow. I mean, me. that's, that's practically an episode. But, but it, it, to, to talk briefly about that, you and I work a lot with college essays. And, you know, you're always working with kids on, on writing a telling the story. But sometimes stories are so big, you really have to, to kind of drill down into the smaller story within the story to write a good essay. Um, some kids have experiences where they could literally, literally write a novel. Right. And we have to help kids get that story into 650 words. I, I think the biggest focus, if I had that student in my office, I think the biggest focus, aside from providing kind of counseling along with that, is... is really reflecting on your growth as a person. Right. And that's where a college essay gets good is, is when a, is when a student really understands how they've changed, uh, regardless of the circumstances. It can be a big event like this, or it could be something small in their life. Mm-hmm. But wow, that, that's a good one. How, that's good how sad though, that, that, that topic. Oh, is, is my goodness. You, you know, can do a whole article on with different examples from across the country. Right. That's, I mean, that's just horrid. It is, but, you know, article number four, our final article, uh, U.S. Treasury calls for mandatory financial literacy coursework for college students. Okay, four for four today. Can yeah, I, four for only four. Only because I'm a gigantic fan of financial literacy. Okay. So uh, CNBC reports that the U.S. Department of the Treasury released a new report on behalf of the Financial Literacy and Education Commission that recommends mandatory financial literacy courses for college students. Um, CNBC says, with the cost of college rising faster than incomes and a staggering 44 million Americans owing more, do you remember how much it is? Trillion. One and a half trillion dollars in student loans. There's been growing concern that students and their families are taking on debt without truly understanding the long-term impact. Um, The government, um, quote, reviewed research on financial education and consulted with nonprofits, state and local governments, trade associations, and other private sector entities, though for now these are just recommendations. Sure. I mean, two things come to mind right away. One's a real practical sense as someone who's done master schedules for years Mm -hmm. and scheduled high school students. Whenever you make something mandatory, something else gets cut. What is that? And the second thought I have on that article is where is that financial literacy information coming from? Right. Because if it's not a great source and it's not giving good information, then I don't want it. And I guess the question is, if we're waiting until college to have these discussions, after they're already in college and starting to accrue the debt. Good point. Yeah. Are we? <laughs> yeah. They so, already got the free hat and T-shirt with their two credit cards. Right. Yeah. Like the granola bars. Are they allowed to do that anymore? I don't think they are. Like like credit card companies allowed to set up a table at orientation and like give away a hat for a credit card because I did that when I went to orientation. Well, I went I went this week uh, with my daughter to her orientation for college. Right. And there was a bank there. Um, but no hats. No free hats. No hats. All right. Things are getting better. I guess. More so, responsible, more accountability. Yep. So that's this week's Cano or Go. We'll be back after this break and get started talking about college visits.
Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Let's talk college visits, Joel. Let's do it. Just two episodes ago, we discussed all the crazy amenities college have. Now it's time to think about college visits through the students' eyes. Better yet, uh, let's include parents and put it this way. College visits through the consumer's eyes. Mm -hmm. Should you visit? If so, when? What about the cost of visiting? What do I do when I get there? How do I sign up? Should parents go? What should I expect? What do they expect of me? Am I being evaluated like an interview? I have so many questions, I am overwhelmed. So let's slow this down. Okay. All the questions, one by one. So question one, should you visit? Answer, absolutely, if at all possible. The best way to experience what a college campus is like is to actually step foot on the campus, preferably on a normal day during the week. Saturday open houses and special events are okay, but students really need to know what the campus feels like and looks like on a typical day. Okay. Fly-ins can be a great way to visit also. If you can't make a campus visit in person, try looking at virtual tours, photo collections, anything to get a look at the campus. Um, a mutual friend of both of ours once told uh, my parents in a, in a parent meeting we were hosting one year, he made the following comment. You wouldn't buy a new car without taking it for a test drive. Why should college be any different? And that really, I've used that line ever since. It's really stuck with me. And it goes back to that idea of being a smart consumer. Awesome. And so. just experiencing putting your foot on campus. Right. So, Chris, question two. Question two. If I should visit, then when should I? I've, I've heard of parents in schools taking sixth graders on college visits. Uh, and, and, and my opinion, unless they're getting dragged along as an older, older sibling uh, or, or as an older sibling visits, uh, that's probably too early. Uh, in our profession, I think there's two schools of thought on this. One, uh, let a high school kid be a kid and remove all this college stress until it's time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're into that school of thought, then I'd say end of junior year, into the summer, and the fall of senior year is fine. Don't need to get on campuses b before that. But some people like to visit, uh, some people like to visit before they choose to apply, and some might wait until later in the senior year to help make a decision to go. And, I, and I've had people do both of those things. Uh, but the second school of thought is that it's never too early to get excited about college and see what it's all about. In that case, a visit maybe uh, once high school starts. Things about college will change over four years, but uh, many feel that it can be motivating and exciting to get onto college campuses. Uh, you'll have to decide for yourself what school of thought you agree with. All right. So on to question three. What are the costs of visiting? The answer, really not much. You lose a day of school, but I don't know of a high school that doesn't have an excusal policy for college visits. You lose some gas and maybe a few dollars for food. Um, other than that, there's not much cost to it. And it's investing one day of your time for a potential four-year investment. So to me, that definitely outweighs the cost um, in my mind. Would you, um, and you're talking about within <clears throat> driving distance, schools within sure, driving sure, distance. Sure, sure, you're sure. not talking about you know, heading to, to New York right, for, right. for a weekend or anything right. like that. But even in, even in that case, the, the, the opportunity to see the campus and be on the campus, definitely, you know, to take that, that possibility for a four-year investment, to me, it's definitely worth the cost. Sure, I, and I agree. i tell you what, too, I, we didn't put this in our preparation materials, but it just occurred to me that I, I had gotten some advice in the past where... Take your, take your kid to visit a type of school. Right. So if you want to visit uh, an urban, small liberal arts school in our area, go visit Xavier. Right. And that would be uh, equivalent to a small urban liberal arts school in another city just sure. to get a feel for that. Uh, if you want to visit a, a really small suburban liberal arts school, Thomas More University. Right. You have UC as a large... So really look for schools with... Similar characteristics to what you're yeah, and if you can't if you can't get out of town, if you can't uh, get to Ohio State or you can't get to Purdue, take a visit at UC. Yes, it's different, but it's, you still get a feel for what that type of school sure. is is like. I, I think that 
I applied to one college. I don't know if we've shared that on this podcast, mm-hmm. but it took me 20 minutes. I applied to Ohio State. And there are times where I think, man, I, I should have visited a smaller school just to feel. Just to I thought I knew what I wanted, but I didn't give myself a chance to learn what another school would feel like. Right. And I bet it would have changed my, <clears throat> my thoughts a little bit. Yeah. So let's combine a couple of questions that you brought up earlier that I think are all sort of on the same same general type of question. What do I do when I get there? What should I expect? What do they expect out of me? I think you should expect what I call the canned visit, okay. which would be uh, when you sign up online, it'll be an admissions tour, and it'll be an admissions, well, a campus tour and an admissions presentation. Um, they don't expect much out of you. You, I mean, you want to be prepared. You want to ask questions. Right. But there's not there's not a lot. You're, you're, you're not getting evaluated. That came up earlier in kind of my little rant. You're not getting evaluated. It's not a college interview. Uh, the tour guide's probably a junior in college. Okay. Maybe a senior. <clears throat> sometimes a sophomore in college. Right. And they, they generally want to show off their campus. And you can just tag along for, for the ride. Uh, show up on time. Be a good student. Make appointments. Don't actually, to, to make another finer point, don't show up without signing up. Here's a question to ask or to try and answer. Does visiting demonstrate interest to a college? That's a great question. I think that came from producer Mike. I think it did. That's awesome. Uh, the answer is it can. Mm-hmm. The answer is it can because you're on record. You're on record for, for showing up, and it is a mark of interest. If the college uses demonstrated interest, that is is a future podcast episode, right? but uh, could be, should be. Well, and we know examples of colleges that will um, either waive application fees if you visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of some that will give small scholarships. You know, I you, have to. You come visit, here's a thousand bucks. Right. You know, just to... Just to uh, encourage people encourage to be on their campus. Yeah. Because the colleges know that if a student gets on their campus, they get to tell, the college has an opportunity to tell their story right. and, to, and, and to show off, right. to show off their school. Uh, but not, not much is expected out of, out, of, out of you when you get there, although, like, like, uh, like Mike asked, you, you can demonstrate your interest. Uh, this is a little side note. If you get an email from a college they know if you opened it. They know when you opened it. They know how long it was open. They know what links you clicked through on their website if you got to their website through the email. If you just Google their website, they don't, they don't really know who you are. Right. But if you go to your email and you click that link, uh, so again, side note to the side note, don't tell someone you didn't get an email if you saw it and opened it because they know. No. <laughs> and the colleges joke about that all the time uh, through their Slate software or other, other software they use. Um, so we did something a little, well, I thought was fun in this, okay. in this episode. Uh, so we surveyed college admission counselors across the country and through a Facebook message group and asked what information on college tours they kind of cared the least about. I'll go over what they said, but one note I, I need to bring up is that <clears throat> some of the counselors were actually annoyed with my question because what about students of families who don't understand college at all? Or, or have never been on a campus. So some of the things we're about to say, okay, fine. I was just trying to have a little fun. <laughs> God forbid we have a little fun in this profession. So I do get the point. Some of this stuff would be valuable information as students who've never had access to college sure. go. So I'll, I'll say that uh, after 48 minutes of my post, I just removed it to take, uh, take the abuse away and you know, remove the beating before I headed out to vacation. Well, that's but funny. we did have a little fun before that. All right. And uh, my personal favorite is uh, when a college on tour tells you how many books are in their library. What's a book? Well, for one, um, I do like books. But at the same time, most research is probably not done with books anymore. Probably not. But it's just you're on a college tour. Right. And for some reason, they like to tell you which special archive they have, what their special sections are. And like the actual number of books, like we have four hundred and forty thousand books in our library, and I and I and I certainly don't feel like that's a part of telling their story right. as a college. And I think most kids probably don't care. Your library has a lot of dust. You have four hundred and forty thousand. Yes, books. and also 
Um, what is some of these things we think are funny because they are just not unique to right, colleges. They are part of all colleges. So when a college brags that they have interlibrary loans, <laughs> it's like saying your car has seat belts. Right. Uh, well, I've got a better one for that, but then people got mad about this one. The the blue light security phones that are all over campus. Right. I know you. you I've got like, two girls. Yeah, I, know, I, I didn't know. mind. I don't mind that one so much. I I kind of like to know where the emergency buttons are. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, when a large university, you're on a tour. I'll pick on my own school. I don't know if they do this. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But a large university eventually makes a comment that says, "You know, we're really big, but we make it feel small." Big is big. They all big is big, and they all say that. Right. Living learning communities. Within your college major, of course. Again, we think it's kind of funny because they all say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when they tell you the number of clubs, because every college has a bunch of clubs, right. and then they really like to to really brag sometimes about, uh, you know, if you have like three friends who like to take naps, and you can find you a can, faculty advisor. In a faculty advisor, you can start the napping club. Yep, which is a true club. They do it all the time. Yeah, at some colleges. Oh. We even have a Quidditch team. I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. I don't know. I don't hear that one as much now that all the Harry, the Harry Potter fuss is. That's right. That's right. Down, but I mean, when Harry Potter first started, yeah. every Everybody college had a Quidditch program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the climbing wall. <laughs> we, <laughs> we'll just laugh about that. And always, 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 your tour guide will make a joke about being able to walk backwards. Yep. You can laugh at them or with them. Your choice. Uh, we also got some interesting interesting comments for some past tour guides and university ambassadors. Um, this is good. So, so students and parents, don't ask these questions. Please, don't ask these. Uh, one person told me someone was really concerned and just um, had a really detailed question of what type of stone the science building was made from. I, it just... Caught me as funny. Stone. Rock. Rock. I don't know. Joel, is it metamorphic? Is it uh, igneous? I hope it's not I, igneous. It's kind of light. I was a social studies major. Okay. I got nothing. Right. Um, can I bring my dog? Okay, unless you have an actual service animal, don't ask the college folks on your visit if you can bring your dog. Uh, can I have a friend of the opposite success in my dorm overnight? Just don't ask that. <laughs> I mean, you, you decide, you do you. That's a conversation killer right there. Yeah, <laughs> just talk about crickets, tumbleweeds going across right. the, the, the tour. So don't ask that. Uh, can I get a better parking spot? Your answer is automatically no. You cannot right. get a better parking spot. You're lucky you have one, so don't ask that question. Um, or a comment like, you know, I'm not good with roommates, so what are my... No, no, no. Don't go there either. So these are things people have said, and again, on this podcast, we do uh, like to tackle serious issues, but we also like to have a little fun. Um, Let's get into what you really want to know on your visit. Uh, Some tours are a little better than others. Uh, I'll go back to to repeat one of the things I said before, but you're going to get the basics automatically, so you you probably won't need to prepare to ask about the following items the application process, tuition costs, financial aid, clubs, sports, dorms, some other key bits of information. If you have follow-up questions, that'll, that'll work, but you're not going to have to prepare anything. You're going to get that information. Uh, but in case, they, in, in case they missed it or you want more depth than they gave, uh, Joel's going to go over a few, uh, a few things to ask. So one thing I always talk to my students about, um, especially if they're going on to, to a graduate program, um, ask about professional school acceptance rates, your grad school acceptance rates. Um, do they keep stats on how many kids get into their first grad school of choice versus just getting accepted somewhere? You know, and That's where where do they get accepted? Um, and, and that kind of stuff. Job placement. Um, how many kids are getting jobs? Where are they working in their field of study? Um, I, I like the field of study comment because a school. Well, the first two comments you had made, they'll produce, they'll, they'll publish acceptance rates. <clears throat> But do they publish first year or first choice? They'll publish a job placement. 
but do they publish in the field of study? Right. So, yeah, yeah great questions. What about career services? Um, they all have them to help with resumes, interviews, and the like, but find out if there's anything unique about the career service program. Uh, for instance, Xavier University in Cincinnati, where mm-hmm. I have my master's degree from, yeah. has a career services staff larger than some large public institutions. Right. So you, you know, I don't know how many, the exact numbers of all the schools around in their career services, mm-hmm. but you, you probably can get a good feel of how much energy a school does put in right. to their career services. Here's the one that I always want to make sure students ask. Um, this residence hall is nice, but where do the incoming freshmen have to live? Right. You know, um, I, I know I might be able to get into this residence hall someday, but where am I going to have to live when I get here in August? Right. You know, um, are there research opportunities for underclassmen? And if so, how does that work? Um, I, th- I like the follow up on that. Yes, we have research. How do I ne- get involved? Next question. How do I get involved? That's right. Right. That's right. So th- that's a good example right. of people with follow-up questions. If I start to struggle academically or emotionally, what supports are here at this school? Um, because, you know, for a lot of kids, whether it's the just the simple moving away from home, having re- more responsibility for yourself, the, the academic rigor has increased. Maybe I didn't have to study so much in high school. Now I have to learn how to study. How can I how can I access those supports that a college? When we learned recently that forty one percent of students are graduating after four years, I, I wonder what. That's a great research uh, project for someone right. in their graduate program, linking the resources colleges put toward that item alone in relation to their four years, five year, and six year graduation right. rate and their sophomore retention rate. Sure. Maybe there's research. I, I think you would see that that number more than maybe like, the graduation I'd like rate. to see those numbers if we can look that up at some point. Oh. Mike, get on Mike. That. You're on that. All right, next one. All schools probably have study abroad. Yeah, that's one that they always talk about every time. We have study we have abroad. Study abroad. Um, but again, our theme is how a school sets themselves apart. What percentage of students study abroad? Is there money for it? How much is this a focus on campus? Where can I study abroad? Um, all right. of those. Georgetown College in uh, in Scott County in Kentucky, well, in Georgetown, Georgetown, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're in Kentucky, you know your counties. <laughs> Sometimes you talk that way. But they have uh, an agreement with Oxford where you, I mean, like a special program that's, that's really a direct link and set up. And I know one of our friends, uh, Dick McLaughlin, both of his kids went to Georgetown and spent, uh, I think, a whole year studying at Oxford. Right. So. It's cool. All right. Here's one I always like because, for me, it helps me get a sense of culture. Does your school have any interesting stories or cool traditions? I always, always like that. And maybe it's not as relevant to the academics, but I want to get a feel for what it's like. For me, what it's like to be there. Uh, I toured uh, Maryland in College Park. And so uh, the students rub Testudo's nose for good luck. That's the... You know what that you know what Testudo is, don't you? I assume he's a big terrapin. He is a big terrapin. He's kind of a bronzish terrapin out in the middle of campus. Uh, you know, they rub his nose for good luck. It's just a, a cool little thing. At NC State, you've got the Krispy Kreme Challenge. Do you know what that is? You're a sports fan, so... No, I don't know that one. It was a charity event that started really small. It's very fun. You eat... Uh, you, you run a mile to the Krispy Kreme. You eat a dozen donuts... Don't tell me you got to run back. And then run back. Oh, my gosh. And it ended up on ESPN. It turned into a big fundraiser. Really? They did like a little feature story on it several years ago. But it's just it started by a couple guys, and then it's just gotten big as a cool fundraiser. But uh, Donuts used for eating. I think I do okay in the mile there. Probably couldn't finish the dozen donuts. And if I did, no way, no way I'm getting back to the, back to the if, school. If they were hot, if the donuts were hot. Maybe easier. Maybe easier. Yeah. You wouldn't make it. Yeah, you know, that's a good. You know, at least you're not having a dozen something else. Right. You know that that makes it a little, little uh, friendly that way. Uh, UK in, in our state hosts Dance Blue. You know what that is? Yep. That's huge. Mike uh, doesn't know. Tell him. Tell him. Not familiar with Dance Blue? It's a it's a dance marathon that they use to raise money. Uh, isn't it? Is it for cancer research? I don't know. I can't uh, remember if it changes or yeah. if it's always cancer um, research. I know I had a cousin that that went to UK that did dance blue every year, and it's like hundreds and hundreds of 24 kids. hours, yeah. no, no sitting, no sleeping. You just keep dancing. Keep dancing. Yeah. Well, and I know even like 
um, you know, my undergrads at Western Kentucky, we've got the red towel um, that everybody waves and, and has been waving for 60, 70 years. Right. So before the Steelers took the terrible towel, Western had the red towels. Well, we're at a uh, podcast. No one can see you, but you have a T-shirt on with your red towel. Uh, darn right. <laughs> you know, and, and just different, different things like that, like – like you were saying, just to, to get an idea of that campus's story, sure, their culture. Well, at Ohio State, the the marching band for me. Oh yeah, is uh, got a doctor eye. Yeah, just watching watching the the, the script Ohio. Right. Uh, even better than that is ramp coming into the stadium mm-hmm. and just oh, I get chills right. every time. Like right this second, I get chills thinking about the beginning of the Ohio State football game and the and the band coming in. And, so, and you can't see either, but Chris is supporting Ohio State by wearing a blue polo today. Which has absolutely nothing to do with Ohio State. No, that's okay. I wore this shirt yesterday too. So maybe every school. It's true. I got yelled at this morning at home. Uh, it's 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 maybe it's true, but uh, that every school has stuff like this. But to me, that's more interesting than knowing how many books are in the library. Sure. Well, and, and one a final item that, that I've that I've down is we, we always advise students to eat in the dining hall and talk to a student. Maybe those are two separate items. Maybe those are the same event. But I personally was never the kind, I was too shy. I was never the kind to, to walk up to someone and talk to them. But, but if you're courageous enough, striking up a conversation with a current student after the tour or sometime when you get a chance and it, simply ask why they chose the school and what they like about it. Yeah. I want to address one more question that was on the starting list. Okay. Should parents go? And the answer is absolutely, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, because if you're the one that's paying the tuition bill, you need to know what you're spending your money on. Okay. Two, and and more simply, this is where your child is potentially living for the next four, hopefully just four. Hopefully four. Years. Um, And three, many times, especially on open house events, there are specific presentations and or programs for parents with a lot of good information. Um, I did find this past year, however, and and I've talked to you about this, in going on college tours with my oldest daughter, it took a lot of effort for me to just be a parent and take off the school counselor hat. Oh, yeah. Um, At the beginning of each tour we took, the schools went over the application process, the requirements for admission, so on. I I know all of this information in my head already. I'm wanting to lean over to my daughter to comment, but I simply had to sit and listen. That had to be hard. Oh, it was hard. Yeah. Um, On the walking tours, I let her walk into each building first. I just stood behind her. Um, I let her lead the conversation um, whenever she wanted to talk about something. But I'll tell you, it was hard. It really was hard. Well, let's let's jump into our four lenses. We okay. do th- we do this every episode. We'll look we'll look at it uh, from four different lenses. And what does this mean for for the the following groups? Joel, okay. you if you want to lead us off. So if you're a school counselor, talk to your students about the importance of college visits. It's their chance to look at a school and start to learn about what things are important to them. Help them remember, however, don't be fooled by all of those amenities that schools may show off. Help your students to discover what's important uh, for them, what to look for, and what to ask while they are there. And then be willing to come back and meet back with your students and parents to listen to and discuss their thoughts about the visit. I always enjoy talking to students when they get back from visits. So I'm sure you do too. Uh, if you're at a university, a couple things. For the small liberal arts schools, take some time to think about what sets you apart. Uh, small, small class sizes and professors that care. That's, that's not enough. That's not specific enough. Look at it from a student's eyes. What would being on your campus feel like for them, socially, emotionally, and academically? I sit in on a lot of college info sessions. Students uh, come to or colleges come to, to my school, mm-hmm. students get to sit in and listen, and I sit in on a lot of those. And I, I personally don't think the, the small schools differentiate themselves enough. Right. I, hear, I hear the same things uh, oftentimes. So I, I would suggest they spend more time thinking about how they differentiate themselves. And, and for the large schools, you can own that. You don't have to keep telling everyone that you feel small. They seem the big schools seem to focus on that, like like that's their weak point or something, and and it you do want to make everyone feel like like they're at home, but there's an advantage to being big, too. So same theme for the bigger school. What sets you apart, and what will the student experience be? Okay, if you're a parent, 
ask questions that are important to you as a parent and that you want to know, but allow your student to do the same thing for themselves. Don't assume you know what is important to your student either. Uh, let them listen and speak for themselves. Uh, try to keep your student calm and help them realize that all of you are there just to get a feel for the campus. You don't have to make a decision at the end of the tour. And if you're a student, think about what you're supposed to get out of a visit. Many students hope for this magical moment where you gaze into the stained glass windows of the chapel and fall in love with the campus. I look at it more of a, can I see myself here feeling? Can I see myself living here feeling? And it's not just a campus. It's distance from home. It's the surrounding city, town, community, or nothing at all for that matter. Mm -hmm. Heck, when you look around, uh, did students appear happy? The current students, do they, do they seem engaged? Think of it this way. You'll gather information. You'll get your first impressions. And you'll compare it to where you are now or other places you visited. Uh, this is all difficult because it's a heart and a head process. Whatever comes of it, though, enjoy, enjoy this time. So with that, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back with our interview segment, we're going to talk to somebody that knows a lot about campus tools. It's a good one. It's going to be a good She's one. She's amazing. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Our special guest, Joel. Our special guest today is a longtime friend of both of ours. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is Megan Minton. She's the assistant director and honors advisor for the university honors program at the University of Cincinnati. Um, prior to that, she was an admissions counselor, and she was also in charge of campus tours at UC. And so that's kind of why we wanted to talk to her and get her perspective on campus tours and the importance of them. And I kind of want to know from the college perspective how they work. So. Right. We just talked a lot about the student perspective and right. what students should be looking for. But I'm really curious as to how a college sees that. Right. And and what, what they want to get across to the student when the student's there. Right. So, Megan, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I guess our first question is, as somebody who works on the college side, how do you how do you design a campus tour? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I kind of to what Chris was saying before. You know, as you're as you're putting this together, I think from our perspective, we're thinking how can we best convey to this student that they could potentially find a fit here, and so we have to tell the story of being a UC student to the best of our abilities or just being a college student to the best of our abilities. And so to do that, I think you really have to get in the student perspective, you know, and really chat with your tour guides, you know, and ask them, what is a day in the life? And how can we replicate that in a way that feels authentic, in a way that is not putting on a facade that's not true, you know, because you know, we could recruit anybody to come here by having the flashiest of the flashy show them. But if we can't then deliver that once they're here and that's not part of their experience, we're not going to retain them, you know. So you want to you want to recruit students and you want to um, you want to show your campus in such a way that that you're going to get a student that will stick around forever. So, um, you know, we did a lot of talking to our tour guides about you know, what What would you be thinking about if you were visiting a college campus? Do we need to have them sit in a classroom and see a class? Or is it just as important if they just look into a classroom and see, okay, that's what I could expect. Um, do we need to provide a meal or do we need to, you know, there's just, there's a lot of questions like that. Um, that get answered for the various different types of visits too, whether you're doing a pre-read day or whether you're doing an open house. So, you know, you're having a lot of those conversations with the tour guides, like, you know, what was what was it like for you when you're trying to figure out, you know, is this a dining hall that I can eat in for the next four years? Um, are, are there places around campus that are walkable? And if there are, then we need to make sure to showcase that on the tour. You know, there needs to be a piece of that tour where you're standing and saying, 
and there's more to campus than just campus and so here's here's your other um here's here's what else you need to be familiar with before you can decide if you're a fit here i feel like i guess what i'm understanding and not that i never realized before is how detailed your conversations were behind the scenes when you're planning a tour what what, what's it like to be in that room as you're re-planning or planning your, your 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 newest college tour yeah absolutely i think I think first and foremost, and something that was really important for us, was creating a tour guide program that that was doing it for the right reasons, and tour guides that understood why they're doing what they're doing, right? Because, you know, the college search process, whether students know it or not in that moment, it is one of the most important processes that they'll go through in their entire lives. and. The tour guides at a campus are not just giving a campus tour. You know, they are potentially the gateway for students to come in and make the biggest decision of their lives. And so the job that they're doing is is just the pinnacle of a helping, a, a, you know, a helping profession. And I think those tour guides were, they were not paid. And I know, you know, at some campuses they're paid, but here they were not paid. And so it became really important to engage them um, in those conversations so that they really understood how important the job they were doing was to someone's future success or failure. Um, And if you think about it, I mean, ultimately, the success that someone can be in college could mean that they are then going on and solving the complex problems of our world. You know, and so this is really that's heavy. Important yeah. Stuff. yeah, that's I mean, just to hear you say it that way makes me feel like not that I didn't think this before, yeah. but that, man, the colleges really do care about yeah. about the experience. Really, yeah. yeah, I hope I hope they all do. But yeah. So for me, I mean, being in the, getting back to your original question, getting back in getting in that room with those students and having the conversation about what needs to be on this tour it was a really inspiring setting because you feel students you hear students perspective that are having super positive experiences at UC but also there were students in that conversation that were saying you know what when I came it, it was a it was a bad day I didn't get to see this and I didn't get to really feel this and Somehow I still ended up here, but I can share some perspective with you um, to help this go a different way for someone else and for them to be more excited about starting their journey here than I was, you know. Um, So anyway, the students, I mean, that's the heart of the campus, right? And they're tapped in constantly to what's new and what's, you know, you got to think like at UC, we're, we're always growing, we're always expanding. But that means there's always a route on campus that you can't take, you know? There's always something that's shut down or there's, you know, you know, fresh concrete somewhere that you can't get by. And the students really are the people that know that. And so they, they were really good at helping us figure out what to show, but also how to best navigate this campus in a way that, that makes sense for a typical student journey. So I, I have a question that just popped in my head. So in an earlier podcast, we talked about college amenities and the pressure that colleges feel to have the, the, the newest thing, the, the lazy rivers, the Tempur-Pedic mattresses, all that kind of stuff. How do, you sh- how do you balance showing off the good things that your college has without going over the top yeah. You know what I'm you know what I'm asking? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because you have to you have to have a wow factor because you do want to give the students that are touring, you want to give them something that they're going to remember. But I think you can do that through building relationships or through you're not going they're not going to choose to come visit you because you give them the coolest swag when they check in at the admissions desk. That's not why they're going to choose you. Um, so you have to you have to be authentic, and it has to be realistic. So for that reason, we don't show um, that the room in the newest residence hall that has the biggest view of Cincinnati. We don't we don't show that one because huh. most students will not live in that room. That's awesome Dude, because I don't think I don't I don't think 
I think you. I don't know if you're unique or not. I feel like a lot of places would show that room. I was going to say, of I, course they would. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. seems really atypical. I know. I'm yeah. proud of you. I like that. Yeah, I think I think it's the right thing to do. I think there are certainly times when it may make a student's decision in the wrong way, you know. But at the same time, if if that is what was high on that student's list of priorities, they may have never been in that residence hall anyway. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, how do we, you, you have to, again, it all goes back to, you've got to recruit the students who are truly the best fit for your institution. So, you know, and on the tour, you know, we would explain to them, you know, this is a very standard residence hall room. Um, you know, we didn't have a, you know, a huge TV or anything crazy in there that, that <laughs> a normal student would not have in their room, right. you know. We, we made it look like, here's how you could do this, but we just made it realistic for them. This is probably the living environment that you will be in. Some of you may live in a room that's at the higher price point, and that room will contain these amenities, um, and then, you know, can walk through. That's just where you have the whole conversation about housing on campus, is when you're standing in that room and letting them know what their options are. Um, so... I mean, I think the the people on the campus are more likely to be what what retains a student than those amenities. Does that make sense? I, I just I, I think that's a really ethical approach. Uh, I would hope more colleges would no, it's awesome. be that way. It's uh, you awesome. know, I have a question to kind of shift gears a little bit, and that is. Yeah. So you have your tour, you have kind of uh, the, this. I don't mean this to sound bad, but like the canned visit where you have the admissions presentation, you have the tour. Are, were kids able to, or families able to call you with, with advance notice and, and get some extra aspects to the tour, like meeting professors or sitting in on classes? Yeah, um, they were able to do that. So if a student really wanted to do more of a, a true shadowing experience, you know, where they um, could go with a student from their intended major and sit in a class or, um, you know, experience an organization meeting or, you know, something like that to where they really feel like, okay, this is what maybe it feels like after hours or whatever. Um, they were able to do that. They... They would have to do a little bit because just you know being a large public institution sure. and having at that time i think we had somewhere between 30 and thirty-five thousand visitors each year um wow. so so obviously that's not something that we could do for everybody but if someone really was having a hard time deciding between schools and needed to take that next level approach on does this fit for me you know um you know a lot of students are making a decision saying you know we're not getting as much money from uc but there's something about it you know that that really fit for us so i need to experience it at another level then absolutely um i find generally speaking that the colleges you know you know arts and sciences for instance um the business school i find that the colleges here are, are very easy to work with in that respect and they know their students very well and so they would you know be able to reach out to students who would be happy um, to current students that would be happy to provide that extra look at UC so there wasn't a formalized program right. for doing that but definitely options if students wanted to do some some legwork to find it right. and I know your offices are always accommodating um, yeah. so I, I think like to, to some to sum it up what I hear is you want to give the student an authentic experience, and at the same time, you want to be able to tell your story in a realistic way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's all about, honestly. Like, we need to tell our story so that the student can picture themselves in that and see how they can impact, you know, the future of our story because it's the exact same thing that we're doing for theirs. Um, you know, so, so we have to be honest with each other. You know, to, to build that trust and really give a good look as to, is this a fit for you? Like I said, I think it's the biggest decision that anybody could make in their life is where they go to school. Think about all the things that it affects for you forever, you know. So it's really important that we're honest when we're engaging them. 
Thank you so that's good much. Stuff. That's really that's good, good stuff. stuff. I, I, I mean, I could talk to you all day, which we, we have before. Right. But, uh, but we probably have to move on to our to our next segment and, and keep the podcast rolling. Yeah. Megan, thanks a bunch for talking with us today. Um, you're awesome. Oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you. It was fun. So we'll be right back uh, after this short break with a final word of wisdom. All right. See you in a minute. All right, welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. It's now time for our final word of wisdom. Two words. Know yourself. Maybe this is addressed, this is probably mostly addressed to the the student listeners we've got. Know yourself. The hardest part of college admission process is asking students to really understand who they are. It's certainly part of the admissions essays, but it's also about finding the right fit. If you don't want to live far away from home, then then don't. If you need to be near the action of a city, don't choose a college in the country. (laughs) Know your limits, know your needs and wants, and your chances of being successful where you end up are great. So that's another episode of Get Schooled by Reason Ford. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. You'll find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, give us a shout-out or or give us a good rating. And we hope to... Uh, you listen again. What's our next episode going to be? Next episode is going to be athletics. Here's what I mean by Ooh. that. We're going to talk about athletic scholarships. We're going to talk about all the sports. Well, not all of them. We're going to talk about sports other than football and basketball. Like crew? <laughs> <laughs> yes, like crew. Uh, we're going to hit the, what, we, what would be called the minor sports. And, and how those scholarships are awarded. There's a lot, of, uh, a lot of myth out there. And I'm certainly passionate about this one and prepared. So All right. we hope you listen. We'll see you next time. Cough up along. No, I've had congestion. <coughs> My calls are very productive, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm glad they're uh, producing phlegm for you. They are. It's great to shoot out your window when you're driving. <laughs>